If you can't tell, I'm a little excited for our guest speaker that's going to be speaking today. Uh, her name is Mallory Reed, and let me tell you a little bit about Mallory. Her and her husband, Brandon, have been through so much personally and also so much with this church over the past, I don't know how many years. They are dedicated and devoted to doing what they do, what God does through them to serve this church and to serve you and our community. And with Mallory, I want you to know her position is extremely important in this church. So next to Pastor Jeff, my associate pastor, Mallory is right there, almost to his level because of what she does. She is our communications director here at the church. That responsibility is tremendous. What she has to do is communicate the vision that God has given home church to the community and to you all. So it's not just about communicating through digital media to you, but also to those that don't even know Jesus. Those that are looking to find answers that are going to only find them in church. So with Mallory, um, what, what I'd like you to do is also not only pray for me and for Jeff, but also keep her in your prayers. As the pandemic continues, her role increases responsibility because we've got to get the word out. We've got to get God's word out through social media, through our website, and through other means. And her role is constantly evolving. Um, so she needs prayer as well. So without further ado, I'd like to welcome up with a nice warm home church welcome, Mallory Reed. Thank you, Pastor. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning, guys. Wow, you guys are very close today. Um, you are very seen, which is very appropriate because the title of my message today is Seen. So we actually just moved this just for me. I got to kind of have a diva moment. It was like, paint the stage. If you guys haven't noticed, Brandon Reed, my awesome husband, and Elijah Pibus, our youth pastor, they repainted the back of the stage, the front. They redid the whole auditorium for me. <laughs> so thank you guys. You guys are amazing. Um, I'm just so blessed. We seriously have the best staff, the best supportive staff. I mean... Amen. Yes. Thank you, Elijah. <clears throat> that's, my, that's my crew over there. Um, can we give a round of applause for our youth? Like, they are watching them during worship. Oh, my gosh. You guys, like, get me so excited. I'm so happy you guys are always up here. Seriously, I'm like, oh, I can worship. You guys help me, like, break down, like, my, like, insecurities of, like, I don't even care how ridiculous and, like, white I look over there, jumping up and down in my heels, trying not to fall because of you guys, so thank you, thank you. Okay, hi, I'm Mallory. I'm gonna introduce myself now, and we're gonna start talking. Because I honestly, I told Pastor, he actually asked me back in 2020 if I would speak to you guys to, at some point this year. And so originally I was, I think, scheduled for March. And March came, and I was like, no, 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 no. Make my husband speak, <laughs> sorry, Brandon. And he did a great job. It was totally God's timing. And he was like, okay, you're rescheduled for uh, the beginning of October. And I'm like, okay, that's fine. And July came, and August, and September came, and then October came, and I was like, uh, not yet. And so Jeff Jackson was scheduled to speak, I believe, in Mark, you know, we had uh, Mark Tedford. And I was like, I need to switch with one of you guys. Who's last? I'm going to switch with that person. And here I am. Haha. <laughs> Isn't that funny? We can't really run from God when he puts a calling on you. 
And it wasn't up until about three weeks ago, and Pastor brought me into his office. He's like, so what are you speaking on? And I was like, I don't know. <laughs> so let me tell you about my personality a little bit. I'm a very scheduled person. I'm a very much a type A. I'm very literal. I like things my way. I'm kind of OCD. And when they're not my way, I get a little, like, flustered and out of sorts. And God loves that. He likes to come in the middle of all my mess and kind of, like, make me uncomfortable because he knows I won't go to the next level until he gets me uncomfortable. I love that <laughs> so much. Just kidding. We're, we're working on that. It's, it's, a, it's a daily walk, guys. But um, I was in my bedroom, and I was praying, and I was like, God, where are you? And he's like, I'm right here. Oh, my gosh. I'm like, oh, my gosh. Okay, sorry. I was telling the production team my... My Jesus voice in my head is kind of valley girl. So excuse me. He's like, oh my God, Mallory, open your eyes. Like, quit talking and just listen. I'm like, okay, but where are you? Like, really? Like, I need to know this message. I need to have this down. Or else I'm going to fail like, miserably. And he's like, oh, this is on you, honey. I was like, oh, but it is. Because I had to put my, my big mouth. And if the wrong words come out, I'm going to look really silly up there. And, and I started crying. Like, kind of two-year-old crying, like, <laughs> like, on my, my husband was so gracious and took the kids to all their sports practices and everything so I could have a moment with God, because, um, let me b- totally backtrack. It's so funny, I have, like, notes upon notes upon notes upon notes, and I'm, like, already gone. I'm, like, forget it. This is what God does to me. He messes me up. Here we go. It's gonna be great, guys, because I'm getting so flustered right now. I know, Jeff Jackson, you're probably in your head, like, slow down slow down, slow down. Hold on. (sighs) Okay, where were we? Let me introduce you to me. I'm Mallory. I'm our communication director, who's doing a very poor job right now at communicating to you. Um, (laughs) So my husband and I, yes, we have been at this church for like ever. I know that's a very broad range, but it's it's true. We, we met at the church. I was in the choir, and my husband was in production, and we saw the whole, like, camera, like, panning across the choir, and I'm up there doing my thing, and then the awkward, like, pause on my face, like, would stop, and I'd be like, why am I on the screen again? Stop. I don't like being seen, first of all. I feel very awkward, and I look awkward, and I know I'm being seen. And then people kept recognizing, I think Stacy Morris. Where are you, Stacy? There she is. Stacy recognized Mallory is being seen a lot by their camera guy. And I was at a Carrie Job concert back before she was like, Carrie Job, like she was just Carrie Job, you know. And she overheard Brandon say, That girl's cute. And what did Stacy Morris do? She's like, Oh, that's all she needed. <laughs> yeah. And uh, yeah, we'll be married 15 years this January. Um, if you don't volunteer, by the way, in the church, you might meet your soulmate, guys. Seriously. You two met in the church, didn't you? Yeah. Oh, where's Ray and Surge? There you go. Men, not in the church. But anyways, it's fine. <laughs> yeah. But more importantly, our production team, guys, I don't, under, I don't think you understand like, how important they are, especially right now in this time that we are in. They are furthering the gospel, not just to our this building, and not just our local community, but they are furthering the gospel 
overseas. We actually get, I look at our algorithms and I look at all the data every week and we have people, I mean, in Nigeria, the United Kingdom, like I can go down like the list in Europe, like the different places that people actually watch us. That's amazing and what a responsibility. We do not take that lightly. Um, you do not have to know anything about technology, but if you do not serve guys, our production team, we're pretty cool. I know that didn't sound like very confident, but like I'm trying to restrain, restrain myself because I love our, our team back there. Like we are a family. We would love to have you. And we will totally train you and welcome you to our family back there. Uh, but they're amazing. Thank you guys for what you do back there. They usually just get to hear a lot of complaints or when you guys care so loudly at us. And we appreciate those caring loudly moments. But yeah, they really are amazing. We should probably pray now. Oh wait, I have two kids too. Sorry, I told them I was totally gonna point them out here in service. Dawson and Lola. Dawson is 13, Lola's 10, and they're cool. Let's pray. All right. Father God, you know I'm a mess, but I know you are the fixer of all messes. You calm my wild heart and my words. And Lord, we just pray right now for the people that you have brought here today and the people that are watching online, that it's not by accident that you're here and that you're listening to these words. But Lord, we just thank you for the purpose that you have placed on our hearts. We just ask you to, right now, limit distractions within our minds, through our phones and technology, God. And you remind us of our purpose and the calling that you have placed on us, Father God. I just thank you for the opportunity, Lord, that we have to come before you and to glorify your name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right. If you brought your Bibles, go ahead and um, let's open them to Genesis chapter 16. And I want to introduce you to a woman named Hagar. Has anyone ever read the story about Hagar? A few? It's very uh, interesting. It's very, um, I don't know. It's not something that we really like, it's not a Bible story we're gonna read in children's church. Let's just say that. Um, because there's a lot of aspects to this story. There's a lot of hurt. There's a lot of layers. It's a very toxic situation, actually. But it's something very relevant to where we are at today. So this morning, I want to ask you a question. How does being seen actually make you guys feel? I mentioned earlier, I, I get really awkward, and, and that's OK, because God can use my awkwardness in the best situations. But some of us feel worthy and loved. We like to be seen, you know? It's all like the normal things that people like really enjoy, like to feel valued, you know? But to some of us, it can kind of be more of a negative emotion that arises. Like you kind of feel exposed, unworthy, awkward. Like I mentioned how I really kind of can feel sometimes. And I really, I think, I think most of us really only want to be seen like in our best light, you know? Like when we are just like killing it on our social media game, like we look amazing. Yes, my child just like threw up on the back of my, my jacket and you'll never know this when I'm holding the toddler, you know, like because I look great in the sunlight. And like that's what we really want to be seen until like the entire public sees the messy side of us. You know what I mean? You guys understand like 
It's like, you get to see me when I'm smiling, and I'm being a really nice mom, too, to my kids. Only they know, like, that secret face where it's like, you better not. You better not. You know, church kids, they know. They know their limits very quickly. All of us, we just want to be seen in that, like, perfect light. But God gets to see the mess all the times behind the scenes. And that's really hard for some of us, of us to like really kind of take in that that mess is always on display for God. But that's when he gets to do his best work with us. You know? So, and there's other times though, it's like some of us, have we ever felt just like completely invisible, forgotten? Like you're a behind the scenes person, who you are at your job, maybe even in your family, there's a lot of us, and you're just there. Like, maybe you're noticed, maybe you're not. Do you feel seen today? Like, do you feel seen, like, here in church, guys? I know that's a hard question to ask, because I'm on staff. Do you feel seen by God? And that's maybe even harder for some of you to hear. Maybe you're having to ask yourself that right now. So this morning, I want to talk to you about a God a God who truly sees you. So Hagar represents a story of all about how God sees us. He sees our, our hearts, our hurts, our brokenness, and he still loves us. Let's go ahead. We're going to start in verse 1 of chapter 16 of Genesis. Abram's wife, Sarai, had not been able to have any children, but she owned a young Egyptian slave woman named Hagar. And Sarai said to Abram, the Lord has not given me any children. Sleep with my slave, and if she has a child, it will be mine. And Abram agreed. Good job, Abram. And Sarai gave him Hagar to be his wife. This happened after Abram had lived in the land of Canaan for 10 years. Later, when Hagar knew she was going to have a baby, she became proud and treated Sarai hatefully. Then Sarai said to Abram, It's all your fault. I gave you my slave woman but she has been hateful to me ever since she found out she was pregnant. You have done me wrong, and you will have to answer to the Lord for this. Abram said, all right, she's your slave. Do whatever you want with her. Then Sarai began treating Hagar so harshly that she finally ran away. Let's pause there. I'm not sure if you realize how heavy the words are that we just spoke. So here we meet Hagar. Hagar is this Egyptian slave. She's, she's a foreign woman in foreign land. Uh, she's powerless. Really, we hear that she's a slave as her occupation. It's not even an occupation. She didn't choose to be a slave. She's rejected, and she's really not even seen like as a soul. She's a servant girl of Sarai and Abram. See, Abram and Sarah were promised earlier in Genesis that Abram would have a multitude of children. Actually, in Genesis 15, God says, look at the sky, count the stars. Can you do it? Count your descendants. You're going to have a large family, Abram. That's beautiful, right? Look at the stars. Count your children. Now, those of us who live in the city may go out and see, like, two satellites still playing and be like, Okay, that's good. I like the two, two stars, maybe. But where they were at that time, we can't even count the galaxies that Abram was witnessing. That's a big promise. And we find out through Scripture, Sarah's barren. 
that's a problem, right, ladies? Like, supposed to have those babies, and all of a sudden, you can't. It's 10 years later after this promise. That's a long, stinking time. Long time. But see, something else that we're told about Sarah is she's exquisitely beautiful. Exquisitely. Like, I mean, it talks a lot, actually, about her looks through Scripture, and that's not very common in, in the Scriptures. So this is hard for Sarah, right? Like, or sorry, sorry, she's later named Sarah in Scripture and Abraham, but at this point in time, she's Sarai and Abram. Have you ever prayed to God for something or felt like God has promised you something and God is just taking too long? I mean, none of us, right? Like, we, we don't ever feel like that. Guys, I don't even like waiting at red lights. Like, I'm the person who's already pre-calculating, like, like you can take a red, or like a right turn here. Brandon, like, oh, Brandon loves to drive with me. He's already like, yeah, like, I see him back there, Brandon. Like, ooh, it's, so it brings us together. We always joke, like, we should be Amazing Race, because we'd be so entertaining, like, so entertaining. But I am a very impatient person. I see myself in Sarai, honestly, like, I'm always a pre-calculated person, like I told you guys earlier. There's a problem, I wanna solve it. Like, I get so excited. If any of you guys know anything about like the Enneagram, I'm a three, I'm a performer, I'm a task person, like, I love my to-do list. Like, I love lists in general, like, it's like 15 pages up here, guys. And I have technology, like, out the walls do around me, like, and then I'm a wing two, which means I'm a helper. Like, I love to help. And if I can check off a list while I'm helping you, you just like made my like life like a better place. But God doesn't need us to help sometimes, right? And that's where we find Sarai. She's kind of in this mess. And we kind of talk about the different, you know, culture. You know, we, we were talking about how important it was that Sarai has this firstborn baby. See, in that culture, really, we talked about how beautiful she was. But see, in their culture in that time, Beauty had absolutely no worth. You didn't have a child. You were literally worthless. Like, you could totally be cast aside and move on to the, your friend, pretty much. And that's where we find Sarai. And more importantly, she needed to have a son. That's a hard spot to be in for her. It's so hard. So you understand why Sarai starts kind of panicking. It's out of, like, just desperation. And here is where she decides to take action. She sees Hagar over there. Hagar's sweeping the floors, milking the goats. I don't know if that's a thing back then, but that's what she was doing. And Sarai's like, hey, Abram, I have an idea. Sorry. I'm going to go into the Mallory version of the Bible. I told our staff on Monday, like, there's the message translation, and then there's the Mallory. And here's where I go into my awkwardness. It's okay. But really, she kind of goes to Abram. She's like, hey, babe. So the Lord has prevented me, obviously, from having a baby. But I have an idea, and I can totally fix this. Meet Hagar. And Hagar wants to marry you and have your baby. And then everything is fine. And in the wise words of Abram, okay. Like, literally. Like, there's no going before God and, like, like let's fast. It was just, okay, sure. Thanks, babe. Good idea. And that's what happens. Really. I know, it's deep. 
Abram, he redeems himself later on, but right now he's not, I'm not his biggest fan in the story. But let me just state the obvious here, guys. Bringing another person into your marriage will always create more problems than what you think it might solve. It will. Has anyone ever heard of the show Sister Wives on TLC? No? Yeah? Oh, I hear some awkward giggles. Yeah. It's, it's, literally, it's literally like based on the Mormon religion and a family who decided to go public on a reality TV show. Like, what could go wrong? <laughs> so there's four wives, I believe. I don't know how many divorces have probably happened. I don't really watch the show, but... I'm sure it's entertaining. I'm sure it made really good TV. I don't think Brandon wants four of me ever. I'm a lot to handle. And I don't want three other of me. I, I like argue with myself and yeah, it's, it's a lot, guys. But, and yeah, let's backtrack a little bit because during this biblical time period, um, this type of practice was common about bringing in another person into the marriage. So when a woman of higher like social status was not able to conceive, a lot of times it was common that they would use one of their slaves. And see, these slaves were not viewed as actual people or souls. Everything that these slaves had belonged to the owners. Yes, including children. You can have a baby, that baby is mine. And that's exactly what happened to Hagar. So Hagar is wed to Abram, you know, to make it holy, or something like that. And then after sleeping together, Hagar finds herself pregnant. Now let me remind you, when Sarai put this plan together that involved three people, only two people were consulted in this. And we like to really sugarcoat these things, like it was just part of the culture back then, but let's really be honest about what happened. Hagar and the situation, it was not consensual. And that's what makes this so icky. It's hard to talk about, guys. So, so hard. And Hagar is bitter. And I can't say that I don't blame her. And so months start to, to prolong, and Hagar's belly's growing, and she's, you know, waddling around, and she's sore, because God knows what they're sleeping on back then. She's eating pickles, or I don't really know what else they ate, you know, their pregnancy cravings back then. But anyways, and Sarai is not liking this. Ladies, we talked about bringing another woman into your marriage. I can't imagine the pain and jealousy that Sarai starts to feel watching Hagar. And Hagar's very proud. She's like, look what I did. I made a baby. And she's okay with it because, guys, remember where she came from. She was a slave. So this is bringing her up and her social ranking very quickly. Some of you guys can understand, like, kind of what I walked through. You know, Pastor Jeff mentioned a little bit about what my husband and I walked through. In 2018, I was diagnosed with Hodgkin's lymphoma, and I'm now two years um, cancer-free, so praise God. <laughs> and it was in 2019, we were done with all my chemo treatments, and um, it was later on in the year. And I started getting really sick. Like everything I smelled made me sick. Everything I would eat would make me sick. And I was like, what type of virus is this? This is like the worst, because it was Christmas time. 
You know, that's like our favorite time to eat food. You look forward to all those goodies, but everything I ate had me running to the toilet. And then when I found myself asking Brandon to go get veggie trays from Sam's Club, so just so I could eat the tomatoes out of them. Guys, I, I hate tomatoes. I realized, oh yeah, this is not a virus, like what I'm experiencing. Actually, I remembered all these same symptoms from like 13 years ago and 10 years ago. And so we ran to the pharmacy and bought all these pregnancy tests. And as I sat there anticipating, like, how is this possible? Because let me back up. When you go through chemo, majority of the time, um, well, especially in my case, I was on so many different chemotherapy treatments, it actually shut down my reproductive system completely. And I was given the option before I started chemo to preserve my eggs. And, and we declined because we have a 13, well, they weren't 13 and 10 at the time, but they were much older. I was like, a third baby just really wasn't on our radar. So I'm sitting there with all these tests, and I'm looking at Brandon, and I'm like, no worries, babe, no worries. It's two lines, no worries. And he's looking up, holding the box, and he was like, you don't understand, Mallory, what two lines means, apparently, because I'm like, no, it's false alarm. He's like, two lines that you're pregnant, babe. I'm like, no, that's not possible. That's not possible. How did this happen? I kind of turned into like Sarai, like, you caused me this pain. Yeah, and I was just in pure shock, and I was like, we can't have a baby. First of all, we can't have a baby, oh my gosh. But, oh my gosh, that's impossible. Like, I, ha I have no eggs, like, that's impossible. And it was like this holy crap moment, like, oh my gosh, God, what is about to happen? And even though I said, you know, when I was offered those, you know, fertility treatments before my chemo, we were like, okay, God, here we go. This is going to be amazing. And we, I mean, did not hesitate. We started telling the family members. We were so excited. We started planning for this little baby. We went to go see the doctor, and he was like, there's no reason why this baby, we should worry about it. It looks great. We saw that little harpy just thumping away, and my heart was just overwhelmed with the goodness of God, and look what you did, God. Oh my gosh, what a miracle. Seriously, this baby's a miracle. Everybody kept telling me, this baby's gonna be such a blessing for your faithfulness, and I was like, yes, Lord. What a testimony. And a few weeks later, we lost our little girl. Guys, the pain, ugh, the despair, the heartache that we felt. And how could you take something away, God? We just got it. Like, I just got on board. Do you know how hard that is to get on board? Because like I told you guys earlier, I am so planned. And this was so not part of my plan. And now it's gone. So when I talk about Sarai's pain, I understand it in a way. Because we went from there to, I watched family members, and I watched friends and their pregnancy updates. And I cheered them on from the sidelines, and I did what I could. And I am genuinely and always have been so happy for our friends and our family members. But the constant like celebration, which is always this constant reminder of my emptiness, the brokenness, that pain. And I spent probably a good three months in the wilderness 
questioning God. And I just came through chemo. I was cancer-free. Woo! And here I was lost and really, really lost. And about this time, we were doing a transition with our church. It was January 2020. And the whole world shut down in the middle of my wilderness. And everybody went into their own like private wilderness. And I know that was a shock. But God knew I needed that time. We got stuck at home, and I went to work. When Pastor Jeff talks about my workload, guys, I didn't leave my computer to go pee sometimes. Like, it was crazy. Like, and God knew I needed to go there because if I went off in that wilderness by myself and really started trying to process what had happened, I was at breaking point. How many of you guys know God will take you sometimes to a breaking point, to a wilderness, to rebuild you? And I'm not saying God caused my miscarriage. But God allowed me to fill the feelings of being lost, being out of control, to reach out and grab him and take hold. Because I was desperate for that foundational point. I was so desperate for something that made sense because that can't make sense. Like, I had two very healthy children. And don't get me wrong when I say I was, I was lost because I am so blessed with my two children. And I know that. But she was mine that was mine. And even though God was constantly reminding me, no, she was my, she's mine. I have her. You don't have to feel that despair. You don't have to have that heartbreak. You get to rejoice that you'll see her one day, and you have to let go and move on. You can't stay where you're at, Mallory. You have to keep going. And that's literally what I did. I picked up the broken pieces I prayed to God constantly that you were going to make sense of all of this. And that's what he did. I was able to celebrate friends and family and love on my beautiful nieces and adopted nieces like no other, like they were mine. And that's what we're supposed to do in our brokenness, right? We take our eyes off of ourselves and we start looking at others. Where can I go? Where can you send me, God, in my brokenness? But see, Sarai... And all of this mess, she can't. She can't let it go. She just can't. And that's a hard spot, like I was talking about, to guard your heart and your mind. I mean, you really, really have to be at a good place to be able to love those people well and cautiously. And Sarai just can't. So Sarai is hateful. She does not like Hagar. And no matter what she has put Hagar through. She is mean, so mean, guys, to the point where Hagar realizes, I'm in a foreign land, I am pregnant, not by choice, but I can't stay here. And Hagar leaves to the wilderness. She doesn't know where she's really going, but that was a better option than staying in this toxic atmosphere of Sarai and Abram. I can imagine what she was feeling, but she had to escape, and that's what Hagar does. She leaves. See, earlier when Sarai created her plan with Hagar, when she looked at Hagar, she was the solution to Sarai's problem. And now, all Sarai treated her like she was the problem, which is very confusing, right? How many of you guys know, like, God doesn't need us getting in the middle of his plans because all we do is make a mess. 
That's exactly what Sarai did. Um, my son Dawson, when he was about two years old, Dawson is like me, sorry. He's already squirming in his seat because he does not like to be seen or talked about. And here I am. <laughs> Gonna make it awkward for you. Sorry, son. When he was about two years old, it was around Christmas time, and we were at my parents' house one Christmas party, and they have this like old wood burning stove in their living room. And throughout the night it had to be restocked with some firewood. And Dawson was like, one of those kids who's like, oh, I'm ready, I'm ready, I'm ready, all the time. And you're like, on a leash, like, no, no, you're not. No, you're not. Like, Dawson lived on a leash. He really did. We did have a leash for him. Right, Mom? Yep. I was that mom. Yeah. So Dawson's like, I'm going to help. And we're like, no, you're not. That's really hot. That's really dangerous, buddy. And he's like, I'm going to help. And we're like, no, no, you're not. Like, literally, you're not going to help. So they had the door of the wood burning stove open because they were kind of running outside back and forth, back and forth to restock that wood. And Dawson, since he couldn't help the way he wanted to, decided, hey guys, open door, open opportunity. I'm just going to go close the door for them. So these wood burning stove have these like handles on that you have to kind of turn the latch to the chamber to like shut it because it's so hot because it's glass. And Dawson takes his little hand on that glass and slams it shut. Yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah. You're feeling it, aren't you? All the nerve endings are just, oh. And he screamed, of course. And I just remember thinking like, what on earth were you thinking? And he wasn't, he's two, you know. There's grace for that. I know God's always looking at me like, what on earth were you thinking? Because I'm in my mind, I'm like, why didn't you ask me like, how to close it? Why didn't you ask me permission to even close the door? And God's like, why didn't you ask me permission to close that door, right? Am I speaking to anybody right now? We shut doors that we're afraid of all the time because we don't want to feel pain. We just shut it down. Ooh, that makes us uncomfortable. Do we squirm in our seats a little bit? Like, like, are you thinking about relationships that you just stopped because it was too messy? They were too hard of a person to be friends with or a loved one or a family member. It really messed up your plans, so you just kind of cut them off. Maybe an opportunity that really took you out of your comfort zone. Guys, you cannot run from God. That door will reopen. He'll make you go through it at one point, but God's a gentleman. He's not going to force you through. But that lingering is still there. That yearning that something is missing in your life, that you're still wandering through the wilderness, it's still there. That's a hard place to be. And that's where we find Sarai. You can tell emotionally she's in the wilderness. She's making horrible decisions, as we see with Hagar. But then we literally find Hagar in the wilderness. She's escaping. She's running. And guys, I don't know about you, but from what I've experienced, Nothing good ever comes from taking God's promises into your own hands. And that's kind of where we find everybody in this situation. Let's look at verse 7. Hagar stopped to rest at a spring in the desert on the road to Shur. While she was there, the angel of the Lord came to her and asked Hagar, Where have you come from and where are you going? And she answered, I'm running away from Sarai, my owner. Hagar did you guys catch that? 
She's called by her name for the first time in scripture. See, Abram and Sarai, they only like referred to her as their slave girl, the servant, just a solution to the problem. But God calls her by name here, Hagar. It's powerful in our society today, guys, when someone remembers our name, you know, my name's Mallory, so it's a very kind of different name. I get called Melanie, Valerie, Sarah, Ashley. I get called lots of names, it's fine. But when somebody actually remembers our name, it's powerful, right? You feel seen, you feel loved, that they would remember that about you. See, God goes to her and calls her by name, but he goes further than that. He asks her these questions. Where are you going? Where did you come from? In more modern terms, what is your story? What is your hope? What is your plan? Because I'm sure God's looking at Hagar like, do you, do you even have a plan? You're pregnant out here wandering around in the desert. And see, Hagar didn't know God. She knew of him, but she didn't know God. So to her, this is such a revelation. Like, oh my gosh, he's speaking to me. Like, this is all happening so fast in the middle of the desert, or maybe I'm really thirsty, I don't really know, but somebody's speaking to me, and they're calling me by name. And Hagar was not used to being asked questions. Remember, she's a servant. She gets ordered to obey. Nobody asks her anything. Nobody really cares what Hagar thinks, where she's going. Go there. Do this. Not where are you going. And especially from such a gentleness, because I mentioned earlier that God is a gentleman, so you know he's coming with a pure heart. He's coming to Hagar with such love. And this is just an example of how our God is a relational God. We each have that relation with him. He went to her to comfort her, but he goes further than that, and he asks her to share her heart with him. And that's what she does. She kind of explains the situation, and that's really hard. Let's look at verse 9. The angel said, Go back to Sarai and be her slave. I will give you a son who will be called Ishmael because I have heard your cry for help and someday I will give you so many descendants that no one will be able to count them all. But your son will live far from his relatives. He will be like a wild donkey fighting everyone and everyone fighting him. See, at this point, God gives Hagar a new name. And no, he doesn't rename her like I mentioned earlier with um, Sarai and Abram becoming Sarah and Abraham. He names her future. He names her hope by naming her son. You'll get a son. Name him Ishmael. Do you know what Ishmael means? It literally means God hears. I mean, for someone in Hagar's social status, this is huge. This is huge. God went to a slave and is speaking to her and then names her son. And he mentions that you will be like a wild donkey. I know that's a kind of a strange reference, but a wild donkey, if we just think even like logical terms, is roaming, saying her son will not be a slave. Her son has a big future. He will not be tied to one person or place. He will have the opportunities that she was not aware of at this point in her life. How many of us as parents know when a promise is spoken over our children that they will have better than what we had? We've already received that promise. 
And that's what Hagar gets. See, Hagar, if we look back, when God asked her those two questions, he said, where did you come from and where are you going? See, she, she answered them on one of them. I ran away from my, my owner, Sarai, and she doesn't answer the other one. Why? Because she didn't know where she was going, guys. She had no future. She had no hope. And what does God do? He gave her her reason to return. Some of you guys are sitting out there right now. You don't know where you're going. God's always stirring at your heart. Where are you going? Guys, what's your story? What are your plans? And sometimes that really messes with us because we don't know. And that's a hard spot to be in. But God is saying, I'll meet you where you're at in the wilderness. I will come to you. See, we don't have to go to some social temple. We don't have to go find God. God comes to us. He's always with us. He's listening to us. He sees us. He's there to comfort us, to guide us. The question is, are you going to let him? And that's hard. But let's go further than that. Do you even know the God I'm speaking of? I know that's a hard question. A lot of us come every Sunday. We open our Bibles. We know the songs. Do you know the God I'm speaking of today? Do you have that relationship with God where you tell him everything? Your hurts? You share your hearts, the brokenness? Because he's there. He wants both sides of it, guys. Not just, you know, we're at the mountaintops where we're feeling amazing. He wants those valleys too, guys. He's there to meet you in the dark times. It's so important. It's so important that you start that relationship with him. And it's so simple, guys. Don't overcomplicate it. I didn't grow up in the church. And it's that simple, though. Like, it's, it's such a relationship. It's just taking the time, putting these away, turning the TVs off. It's that simple. Like, I love finding the little moments where I am by myself because I can't distract myself because I'll find any reason to distract myself, like butterflies, wild sunflowers, where do hummingbirds come from? Like, where they go when they leave me? Sorry, I have a weird thing with hummingbirds, like the Pibus family. We love our hummingbirds. But God wants to meet you where you're at. Will you let him, though? Will you let him? Let's look at verse 13. Hagar thought, have I really seen God and lived to tell about it? So from then on, she called him the God who sees me. See, Hagar finally sees God for who he really is, a God who sees me. I know some of you guys are probably sitting out there today, and you may have another name for God the God who is disappointed in me, the God who is angry at me, the God who delays, the God who is silent and doesn't really see me. But maybe you have been given a false identity about who you are, unlovable, a failure, a fake, overlooked, never good enough. But God calls you by name God hears your story. 
He calls you his. His love is so unconditional, guys. And he does have a hope and a future for you. The question is, will you meet him where you're at and in your wilderness? Why don't we go ahead and stand, guys? I mentioned earlier, if you do not know the God I speak of today, the God who will meet you where you're at in your wilderness, the God who sees you, the God who hears you, the God who comforts you, I want to invite you down to the front today. I want to give you the opportunity to meet this God I speak of, because he's already here. And you probably have already heard him many times again in your head, in your heart. But he wants to meet you where you're at. Maybe you're sitting in this room in a season where the wilderness is overbearing. You feel like if you literally disappeared, no one would even know. Like we're standing in this room, locking eyes with others, and you feel like nobody even sees you where you're at. And maybe you're in a season where you're just waiting to hear from God. You haven't heard from God in such a long time, and you need to hear that voice that you recognize. I want to take a moment this morning and invite you guys down to the front. If you want prayer today, if you want to hear from God, if you need to know that God sees you, God loves you, God is waiting to meet you where you're at. If at any point during this message you guys related to Hagar or Sarai in either of those seasons, this is where God comes to meet you. You're here, like I said earlier on purpose, not by accident. Are you going to reach out? Are you going to meet God in your wilderness? This is that time, guys. If you want prayer, be bold. Step out. We'll give you a second. If you need prayer and you're watching online, just message them right there in the chat. They will pray with you online. Let's pray this morning. Father, we thank you for seeing us. We thank you for coming to us, for finding us in the wilderness, for rescuing us in our wilderness. Lord, I thank you for what you are doing in the hearts and the lives of those watching online, of those here today, Lord. Lord, you are the God who sees us. You are the God who cleans up our messes. And you work things out for your glory and your goodness. Lord, thank you, Father God. Thank you for the opportunity today, Father, that we get to come before you and love on you. 
thank you, Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.